Hi, Bridgewater. We're coming off a year in which we got to watch God work in incredible ways. 2023 brought so many opportunities to get involved in what God was doing, and we were able to capitalize on so many of them. If you want to rehearse some of what we watched God do in 2023, you can check out that message at bridgewater.church messages. One thing is clear coming off of 2023, and that is that God has given us so many blessings and entrusted us with so many resources. Let me zoom in and name a few of the blessings and resources he's given us this past year. We saw 91 people respond to the gospel message and make the decision to trust Jesus as forgiver and leader. We got to baptize 117 people, and we got to hear their stories of how God changed their lives. He's allowed us to invest in and influence 1,281 individual kids who attended Bridgewater Church in 2023. He's given us financial resources. We finished the year on target financially, and God's people at Bridgewater brought in over 2.6 million dollars. We even saw over $300,000 given in Vision 2023 offerings. He's allowed us to have an impact on so many people. We averaged 1,898 people in attendance last year. On top of that, many of you took your next steps of faith and grew in your relationship with God. Now, allow me to zoom out and talk about the big picture things God has entrusted to us. He has uniquely positioned us to be a blessing to those in need both here and around the world. He's given us influence in our communities and beyond, and we've been entrusted with the most important message in the world, Though we are great sinners, Jesus is a great Savior. It is this truth that changes lives and this truth that fuels our growth to become more like Jesus. But what do we do with all those blessings and resources? How should we respond to all of it? Just celebrate and enjoy it? Relish the fact that God has changed our lives? Come together in weekend services to celebrate God rescuing us from sin and then meet in small groups during the week to learn more about His Word? Yeah, maybe. But is there more? Is there something more we should be doing? In other words, what should we do with all that we've been given? To answer that question, I want you to consider this $100 bill. Financial expert Dave Ramsey says that $100 a month invested from age 25 to 65 becomes $1,176,000. Now, some would argue based on interest rates and investment types that the more realistic amount is like $650,000. But the point is, when you invest it, it grows. What you have, you invest. If it's not invested, it will never be anything more than what it is. And at Bridgewater, we're not interested in just holding on to the $100. We want it to become more than it is because that's the kind of wisdom and work that Jesus is looking for in his followers. Now our mission is clear, making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. But I want to talk about our vision, the vision of what we want to see happen as we invest the resources God has given us. So I want to look at some words Jesus said. And while there are a number of things Jesus said that motivate us, this year, the words Jesus speaks in Matthew 25 are ringing in our ears. Here's what he said in Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now last week, we concluded our final countdown series, looking at what it takes to live ready for Jesus' return. And here in Matthew 25, in a parable designed to help his followers be ready for his return, Jesus makes an interesting point. 
he uses the illustration of a man who had three servants. The man gives five talents to his first servant, two talents to the next, and one talent to the third. Now the first two servants saw a 100% return on their investment. The third servant didn't invest his talent, but buried it and had no chance of seeing it grow. The man ultimately took this talent away from him and gave it to the one who would invest it. The point is simply that being ready for Jesus' return involves more than playing it safe and simply holding on to what you've been given. It demands the kind of investment that produces results. And this pleases God. You see, 85% of churches in the United States of America that believe in Jesus and preach his word are declining. It means they're not reaching people and we do not want to find ourselves in that number. Just in 2019 alone, 4,500 Protestant churches in North America closed their doors for good, while only 3,000 Protestant churches were started. That's a deficit of 1,500 churches. So this is why we think God is not done with us yet. In light of all he's blessed us with and entrusted to us, we expect to see a great return on our investment. We refuse to bury what we've been given in the sand, and we desire to invest in people's lives. And if we do, we believe we'll see evidence of that investment growing in specific areas. And I want to share with you what we're asking God to do with the investment we're making this year. This is the kind of return we're praying God gives us. Let me show you our goals for 2024 and invite you to join us in pursuing them. First, we're asking God to use us to save 100 people. This means we're faithfully committing to share the gospel of Jesus personally and through our ministries and weekend services. We're also praying uh, that we'd be effective at coming alongside you to better equip you to share Jesus with the people you know. I'm urging you to consider how you can become more involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus with people. Second, we want to see 125 people take the next step of baptism. This means we're going to be urging people to take this next step after trusting in Jesus as their forgiver and leader. Wouldn't you want the privilege of having the kind of spiritual influence on someone's life where they choose you to be the one who helps them take that next step? Or maybe you've trusted in Jesus as your forgiver and leader, but haven't yet taken the step to be baptized. This is your year. Third, we want to grow in generosity and see our general fund giving increase by 10%. We think you're missing out on being a part of what God is doing through Bridgewater if you haven't yet joined us in giving back to God. God has been so generous towards us, so this is what we do. This also means that your church leadership is committed to directing the funds to meaningful and worthwhile endeavors that make a difference in people's lives. How can you take a next step in trusting God with your finances this year? Every contribution you make makes you a part of all God may do. And we don't decide what God accomplishes with what we give. We just decide what we give. And in light of all God has done for us, we're excited to trust him with our finances. Fourth, we want to see weekend service attendance increase by 15%. Did you know that over the last decade, our church has grown by 14.8% each year? And last year alone, we grew by 18.3%. This means you are doing the work of praying, investing, and inviting. That is praying for, investing in, and inviting the people you know to join you in coming to Bridgewater. We love to partner with you in helping you reach the people you know. We've worked to make our services accessible and relevant as we strive to communicate God's word clearly and accurately. But we only reach this goal if every one of us is a minister where we live every day. 
So we wanna help you grow where you're planted. We wanna come alongside you, helping you more effectively reach the people in your world, workplace, and community. This means we're gonna double down on helping you invite people to join us in coming to Bridgewater services, small groups, and events. If God is working here, why wouldn't we want the people we know to experience it and be a part of it? So we're gonna prior prioritize serving our communities and coming together for worship. Remember that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Okay, last ones here, and, and they're tied together. We're asking God to help us multiply people who serve within Bridgewater, growing our volunteer base by 100 people. And along with that, we're asking God to multiply our reach by launching another service, gathering, or campus. This means we're working to develop more volunteers for roles in the church, to see a new community reach, to influence a new school district, to see more lives changed. Did you know that since the launching uh, back on October 22nd, we have seen four people trust in Jesus as their forgiver and leader in our Hancock community gathering? You see, we have a vision beyond the walls of our current facilities and beyond the boundaries of our communities. We think Jesus was serious when he said, to whom much is given, much will be required. So in light of all the people and material resources he has given us, there are investments to make. And again, we're talking about vision, a vision for people in your life who don't know Jesus to become followers of Jesus. A vision for those in your workplace to lean in, to hear what you have to say because you live out your faith in such a winsome and attractive way. A vision to have a vibrant, growing community of faith in communities where it's lacking. A vision to creatively participate in what God is doing in the world. A vision to ask and expect big things of God while we innovate and take risks. A vision to see exponentially more people jumping in to become a part of what God is doing among us by serving, giving, praying, investing, and inviting. The question that remains is, do you want to be a part of that kind of investment? Why not join us? Now, what will all this mean and how will this look at your Bridgewater location? You'll hear next about the specific opportunities that lay ahead for you to join in what God is doing at Bridgewater and how you can make an eternal investment in 2024. Well, uh, my name is uh, Bob Kedlisic. I'm the Montrose Campus Pastor. And so I just wanted to follow up with what Pastor Josh was talking about. And um, I like the verses he used about the, the talents and God's expectation of growth in, in uh, what, what he, we, we are to do and, in, and how he invests and how we should invest in the future. And um, it just made me think of this question, you know, what did Jesus talk about a lot? Um, what were the words he used more than any other? And it's true, he talked about money a lot, but love over 60 times. That's, that's quite a bit. Um, he had this phrase in the old King James, it's verily, verily, I say unto you. But truly, I say to you, 77 times Jesus used that. That's, that's a lot. But there is a phrase that Jesus used and talked about more than either of those or anything else that I know of. Now, some of you are Bibleaholics like me, and so you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong. There may be some phrase I'm unaware of. Um, but as far as I know, the phrase he uses the most is the kingdom of God, used over 100 times in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John 100 times, and then he throws one in in uh, the little bit of what Jesus is quoted saying in Acts as well. And so 
the kingdom of God. And, and all this talk about the kingdom of God, he would send his disciples out and he says, I want you to preach the kingdom of God. And apparently they knew what that meant, right? And then he'd say, the kingdom of God, you know, is, is, is near to you. Okay, well, what does that mean? There's only three stories he tells to explain what the kingdom of God is like. And, and here's one of them. He says, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden and it grows and becomes a tree and the birds make nests in its branches. So what is the kingdom of God like? It's, it starts really small and then it grows to a large bush that, that birds can even make nests in. It's the, the largest garden plant that they had in that region at that point in time. And in case you didn't understand what he meant by that, he immediately follows it up with these verses. Uh, what else is the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like the yeast a woman used in making bread. And even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, and the word used for that size is basically equivalent to almost six gallons of flour. That's like one of those, like you, I don't even know where you buy a bowl like that, but that's one of those huge bowls. And yet a little bit of yeast can permeate every part of the dough. And, and so what is he getting at? What is Jesus saying? If there's, if there's one thing you need to understand about the kingdom of God, it's this, and that is that the kingdom of God grows and multiplies. And everything healthy grows. I am no longer growing. Actually, I can grow, you know, in certain ways, but not in a healthy way. Um, but what does that mean? I am not nearly as healthy as I was when I was 18, and still growing, right? Um, everything healthy grows. Now, there are unhealthy things like cancer that grows. So it's not like you can look at any organization or movement and say, oh, look, it's growing. It's healthy. I mean, communism grows. Nazism grew for a time. Like racism can grow. Like just because it's growing doesn't mean it's healthy. But if something or someone is healthy, they will grow, and Jesus is saying this multiple times. In fact, he says, he, he's quoted saying both of those illustrations twice. Apparently, it's very important to the disciples. They're like, man, this is, and, and so this is what God expects, and this is what we should expect of healthy groups of believers who are growing. And, and this is uh, uh, my ugly chart. So in the office, they make pretty charts. This is my ugly chart. Don't blame them if you think it looks ugly and confusing. But this, this shows the growth of Bridgewater Church for the last 20 years, starting in 2004. Um, the church is 215 years old. We don't have stats going back to 1808. But um, growing at really 14 to 15% on average for 20 years, which means it has been doubling every six years, just about. So 150 to 300 to 600 to 1,200, to now 1,900 people on average on a Sunday morning. And some people look at this, and some people in this area even, I've heard, refer to our church as a cult. Because normal churches don't grow. Don't you know that? No, sick churches don't grow. Jesus said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, my kingdom grows and takes ground. And now cults grow too, but, but we need to understand that, that what God wants of us is not like, oh, I'm just so glad me and my husband are saved or me and my wife are saved and maybe my kids are saved. 
Mission accomplished. No, God wants us to to love others in our community, to, to help others in our community, to tell the truth to others in our community. And he goes on to say one more thing about the kingdom of God. So these are the only three things that Jesus, where Jesus explains what the kingdom of God is like. And this one's in Mark chapter 4. He says, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. I was talking to a farmer last year and uh, just about like, how are things going? Farming is a lot of work. In fact, I think it is the most time-intensive, knowledge-intensive job you could get because not only do you get paid like $4 an hour if you work it all out, you know, but on a, you have to have a knowledge about veterinary medicine and, and agriculture and business and economics and, and meteorology and, you know, all of these different things you got to know to be a good farmer and mechanics and, and all of that. And so I'm like, so how is it going? He says, well, you know, I don't do most of the work. And I said, what, did you hire somebody? I didn't know you hired anybody to help you out. No, 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 I can't hire anybody to help me out. Well, who's doing all the work then? He says, God does most of the work. And that's true. And Jesus points that out in farming and in many things in life and in the church and in his kingdom, God does most of the work. You plant that seed in the ground, and then you go to bed. Now, it takes a whole long time to plant the seed in the ground. And then around here, we don't even have irrigation systems, right? God sends the rain. God sends the sun. God does most of the work. And then at the end, the farmer goes out and harvests. And and that's what he says our king... Because God... In fact, I love this. He does not understand how it happens. You know, we can't save and change people's lives. God just tells us we need to spread the seed. In our men's small group, we had challenged each other, hey, ask this, just ask one question of someone who's not a follower of Jesus and try to initiate a conversation. And one time, you know, we got back and and this guy said, yeah, I, I did it. And it was a failure. Like it just didn't go anywhere. And and we need to realize it wasn't a failure. You can't open people's eyes and change people's minds and convince them that Jesus Christ is God and he died on the cross and rose again and that God is real and that he wants your life and that you need to surrender to him and he offers your forgiveness. You can't argue people into the kingdom of God. Only God does it and I don't understand how he does it. In fact, sometimes the last thing you think would be helpful you know, I knew a man and his little sister died when he was young and he watched that and it hardened him to God. And then, a, you know, a, a little boy he knew died and through that little boy's death, he came to Christ. That doesn't make any sense. That should have pushed him farther away. It's what pushed him away when he was a kid. Why didn't it push him away? I don't understand it. And, but that's how God works and he does the hard stuff. It's like when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, okay, disciples, here's the job. Roll the stone away. You can do that. So they rolled the stone away. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. And he's like, take those smelly grave cloths off of him. You know, and they unwrapped him. 
So, but he does most of the work, and, and, and we need to understand that and, and do that as we try to reach others for Christ. Now, here's the thing about this. Everything healthy multiplies, and God does all the work. Here's how we need to multiply, not just numerically, but in, within ourselves. We need to grow and become more like Jesus. God's Holy Spirit needs to grow within us. Right? Sometimes people um, will come to me and say, I think I need to be baptized again. And I'd ask, well, were you baptized after making Jesus your forgiver and leader? Yes, yes, I was, but you don't understand. I, I have grown so much since then. I'm so different. Like I've learned so many things. There's areas of my life that were wrong when I got baptized that I realized were wrong and I I've, I've fixed those areas and I'm more like Jesus in that area and that area. And, and I just feel like I'm a completely different person now. And so I feel like I should get baptized again. And I said, no, you know what? If, if that's the way it should be, we should have a slip and slide, right, on our way into church every Sunday morning because we need to always be growing and always becoming different and a new person and a new creation that Jesus wanted us to be. That's normal because the kingdom of God within us grows. We talk about our mission as more and better disciples and some churches and some people say, well, you know, Bridgewater focuses a lot on the more. Maybe they do too much on the more. We're like a better disciples church. And let me tell you, we don't focus on the more as much as we do on the better. Most of our, so our small group ministry, how many of you are in a small group? Raise your hand. Okay, leave your hand raised if you would say most of the people in your small group are followers of Jesus. And most of what you talk about is about how to follow Jesus. Keep your hand raised. Yeah, okay, you can put your hand down. Everybody raised their hand, and everybody kept their hand up the whole time, right? And, and we, have, we have unsaved people in small groups. That's great. But the majority, Sunday morning, we have people who haven't, aren't ready to follow Jesus yet here this morning. That's great. But most of us are. And most of what I preach on, even this, I, I wouldn't preach on this if all, all of you were non-believers or if most of you weren't followers of Jesus. I wouldn't preach on this. I'd preach on you know, apologetics and how, you know, the resurrection of Jesus really happened. And here's why I think God exists, the moral argument, first cause argument, you know, all these different. And, and that's what I would talk about. I would talk about the gospel and about what it means to be saved. And that's what the whole message would be about. I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't just finish a series on the return of Jesus. Because if I was going to talk to someone who didn't believe in Jesus and say, hey, let's talk about how Jesus comes on a white horse with a sword in the sky. He'd be like, you're crazy. <laughs> what do you believe? Really? He'll be like up in the sky on a horse with a sword? Like, yeah, and you won't want to be, you want to be ready before that happens. Like, yeah, this is bizarre. No, we talk about most of what I preach on and most of what gets preached on in Bridgewater is for believers. Because here's the thing. If you become a better follower of Jesus the more takes care of itself. And if you're in a church where there are no more believers, no one's getting saved year after year after year, you're not making better disciples either. Because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that grows. It's like yeast that permeates a community. It's like a, a, a farmer that plants his seed and he goes on and he says the earth produces the crops on its own. Farmer doesn't do it. 
The earth does it. God's put all that stuff in the soil, and I know we fertilize and all that, but first a leaf blade pushes through, then heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. And, and this, this is what I want you guys to come away with from the sermon. Not that just that Jesus is saving you from something. And he is. He's saving us from sin, from addiction, from hurting other people, from hurting ourselves. He's saving us from the lies of this world that just destroy and kill and steal and, and mutilate. And He's not just saving us from something. He's saving us to something. And I know FOMO is no longer a cool word to use. Once I know what a word means, it's no longer cool. But it means fear of missing out. And if you are not following Jesus with all your heart and, and serving him, you need to leave today with a serious case of FOMO, okay? Because God has called us to something awesome. In fact, here's a picture of, uh, this is the new um, location, Bridgewater location in Hancock. And, and this is the scattering seed thing. So we scattered seed. We, we, if you give to Bridgewater Church, you were a part of the $40,000 that we spent in, in helping Hancock start. We bought sound equipment and a video projector and computers and stuff for kids' ministry, and that includes renting the theater out and just that sign. I don't know. What, you know, all the stuff, $40,000, and four people have accepted Christ as their Savior. Let me tell you, if you give to Bridgewater, you had a part of that, and I think you should go. It would be so cool if like every week there's like 50 more people from Montrose or from Halstead or whatever. And it started because there was a couple people, just a handful of people that were going to Bridgewater Halstead and they said, I want to see God do this in my town. I want to see God's spirit just change and transform people in Hancock. Is God in Hancock? Yes. And so we scattered seed to start. And then there were some people there with a heart, and they, they, they brought their sickles to church, not literally, we're figurative here. And then, and then God, God made it happen in ways we don't understand. And, and that's, what, that's what God is calling all of us to do and all of us to be a part of. Some of you don't know the history of Bridgewater, and so I'll just say a little bit about it. Back in 2011, we we didn't have enough money to build this building. And so we uh, thought, well, either we need to, we were, we were bursting at the seams, seams at, at our, our building in, uh, on 107 Church Street in town. We were doing three services, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. And those were full. Even 8 o'clock had like a good number of people coming. And we said, either God doesn't want us to continue to reach more people for Jesus and disciple more people, or we need to do something different. And so we sent 50 people away to start Halstead. And by 50, I mean it was like 28 adults and 22 children and babies. <laughs> and those 50 people today, there's over 350 people in Halstead. But that's not just it. Not only that, but again, that couple who, who came to Halstead just a handful of people are now in Hancock, and there's about 50 people in Hancock. And not only that, but then about 75 people left Halstead to go start Conklin, and now there's, there's uh, 
280-some people meeting in Conklin. And then we sent 25 people away to Vestal, and that was our smallest group that we sent away, and, and kind of they joined a, a church, merged with a church of about 20 people, and I think maybe a half a dozen of them are still living. And, and those 25 people and those 20 are now, you know, 225 people in Vestal. And then we sent 75 people to Tunkhannock, and now they're over 300 people. And uh, this is uh, our Tunkhannock campus. This is what it looks like if you happen to be a drone flying in the air. Um, and we had bought some property for them, right, for a little over $400,000 on Route 92, and we wanted to build because they're doing three services just like we were in 2011. And there's no room, and God is blessing, and people are getting saved, and they're growing and being discipled. And... And um, FEMA and the federal regulations will not let us remodel the building into a church uh, that we have. And so there was another property that came up for possibly for sale. And so we looked into that. And uh, if, if that would have worked out, we would have brought it to the congregation to vote on, but it hasn't worked out. And so right now they're kind of stuck and there's no plans to remodel anything anytime soon, and they've hit a ceiling because committed believers, we should be willing to like, some of you remember, how many of you, rem how many of you remember 107 Church Street? We're, we're coming then. Raise your hand if you're coming then. I mean, like, you had to be friendly because you're like, you know, like this after the service, right? You're like, hey, I'm Bob. How are you? You know, I mean, it was just so packed. And committed believers will put up with that, and they'll walk like a quarter mile from where they park to church or whatever. Um, but non—not com committed believers and non-believers—they they won't sacrifice like that. And we've seen that in Tunkhannock. They've just—they're just that—that just, that growth has been capped because of their space. And so there's something that a man, Ken Davis, and he's not the preacher on the radio, Ken Davis. He's since actually passed away, but. This particular Ken Davis is a, uh, was an acquaintance of mine and, and a friend, and um, he helped start more churches than I, I, of anyone I've ever known, dozens of churches, mostly in Indiana, but then also in Pennsylvania and New York. And one of the things he told me years ago, he said, birth before build. You need to start congregations before you build bigger boxes for them. And so we did that, mo mostly because we were poor and we couldn't afford a $3 million building that we're in now. And we sent people away to Halstead before we built. And then Halstead did that. They met in a, in a Legion bingo hall and they sent 75 people to Conklin before they had their own building because people are more important than buildings. In fact, you, truly, truly, I say to you, you know what the word truly is in Greek? In the New Testament, original language Jesus spoken, amen. So when you say amen, you're saying that's true. That's true. And so are people more important than buildings? Yeah. Amen. That's right. <laughs> truly, truly. And, and, and so I think, Hulse, uh, I think Tunkhannock is in a position we were in in 2011. And I think they need to do what we did, which is send people away. So if you send people away, then you have room where you are, and then those new people, they can reach new people where they are, right? And this is, and this is what, when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, the first thing he said is, go, not stay all together in a nice, comfortable congregation. No, 
Go. You need to go. They're not going to come here. You need to go there. And so we really think Tunkhannock needs to do that. There are 33 families in Tunkhannock that are in the Elk Lake School District. There are 66 families in Montrose that are in the Elk Lake School District. That's families. That's 100, that's 99 families. That's hundreds of people. And I'd say those are families that regularly come to Bridgewater Church already. And, and so we want to, in September, in the fall, start a new campus, another location at, at, in, in Elk Lake. And we're not really sure where we're going to meet yet, and we're going to try to work that out. But I want to challenge you to be a part of that. And I've talked about this before. I talked about this in 2019, and then COVID hit. And then maybe two years ago, I talked about it again, but we couldn't find a pastor well, we have a pastor now who's willing to be in charge of this and, and lead up the, the volunteer ministries that are there. Maybe you've heard of him. Some of you have, Pastor Brett Bixby. So he's going to head this up. And, and I would love to see, I've had people already from the first service, they're like, sign me up, I'm going. Like, that's right in my backyard. And he says, I, I want to be a part of this. Here's the thing. When we, lose, when we send people away, we send the best away. And it leaves huge holes here because here's what it takes to be a pioneer. We say there's three things. You want to be a pioneer? You're committing to three things. Number one, you're committing to praying every day for 10 people who are either not growing in their spiritual walk and not going to any church or don't know the Lord as their Savior. Pray for 10 people every day and then you're going to invite those 10 people to come to, to, the, new camp, to the new location, Bridgewater location with you. So that's number one, 10 people every day and invite them. Number two, you need to volunteer in a ministry. Maybe you're going to greet at a door, maybe a kid's ministry. If there's anyone here that plays electric guitar, please talk to Jessica or myself afterward, all right? And, and if you don't, you need to learn it in the next <laughs> six months, okay? All right? It's not hard. It is hard. <laughs> but um, just, you know, because... We're going to, and so when those people leave, there's going to be these huge holes here. It will create a crisis in children's ministry. It will create a crisis in our, our student youth ministry. It, it, it will, but this is what God wants. Giving birth, I've been told, is painful. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah, just a little. We got, we got, uh, yeah. Um, three things to be a pioneer, Right? Pray for those 10 people and invite them. Number two, uh, be involved. Get involved in the ministry. Number three, give. And uh, we encourage 10%. Give 10%. Put, put your, the Bible says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And if your heart is in Elk Lake School District, that Elk Lake area, you're going you're gonna to put your money there too and say, I want God to use everything that I, He has given me, anything that He has given me, to help bring about what He wants to do there. Um, I want to just close with this because what Josh said is really true. Every, every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. And I just wanted to tell you a story. I've told it before but not in a while. And I would say this is definitely in the top 10, maybe the 
most significant top five experiences of my life. And it started in 2018 when um, friends of mine, Jeremy and Kelly Arndt, prayed to accept Christ as their Savior. And they were in our small group, and everybody in our small group got to be a part of that and see how God was working in their lives, and it was so cool. That wasn't the top five, though, experience. That happened in the fall of 2018. In February of 2019, uh, their son, Alex, said to his dad, I want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I want to do it with you, and I want to do it with my friend, Daniel, from school. And I don't know if Alex knew this, but my son Daniel had been praying for him pretty much every night since the end of August or the beginning of September. All of September, October, November, December, January, every night. God, would you save my friend Alex? And so after Voyager on a Wednesday night, Alex with his dad, Jeremy and myself and Daniel, we sat right over there near that basketball hoop, under that basketball hoop on the floor. Whenever you walk that way as you leave, you need to take your shoes off, okay? Because it's holy ground. <laughs> sat on that gym floor and had the privilege with my second grade son to pray with a friend of his to make Jesus his Savior and Lord. And I've since... I was talking to Daniel last, last night, and he said, yeah, you know, and actually in Voyager, I prayed with this other girl, you know, just recently that, that she would accept Christ as her Savior. And you know what? I'm a pastor. I never had opportunities like that when I was that young. I, didn't, I wasn't leading kids to Christ in elementary school or middle school or even high school. And yet God is using and he's working in this church and he's using so many of you. And I had a woman come forward after the first service and she said, she's crying 48 years. I prayed for my husband for 48 years and finally he came to Christ. And she's like, God is so good. I don't know how long it's going to take for those people you love and you're praying for right now, but don't give up. I just want to encourage you. Don't miss out on what God is doing. Almost every problem in the world today is because people don't know Jesus and they're not becoming like Jesus and they're not following Jesus. And we have the answer to almost everything that's wrong in the world today. When you hear about suicides and when you hear about drug overdoses and when you hear about crime and when you hear about children getting mutilated and when you hear about, about babies being killed and when you hear about war and when you hear all this junk that's going on in our world today, what you need to think is not, not we need to vote someone in, and we need to pass a law, what you need to think is those people need Jesus. He's the only answer, and we have it. Are you ready to suit up and go take that message to the world? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that Jesus didn't stay up in heaven and shake his head at us down on earth and say, somebody ought to do something. Lord, you tell us to go, and you were the first one to go. And you sent 
your prophets and you sent your, your son to show us that there's a different way of being human. And it starts with giving our lives to you and asking for your forgiveness. And God, I just, I just pray that you would just um, help us to go. God, change this community. Transform our country. It's getting so dark and so evil. This world. Lord, make a difference. Through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.